الحمد للہ الحمد للہ Two weeks ago, we had, in the course of discussing the signs of Qiyamad, discussed the issue about a person being disrespectful to his mother and various issues in that regard. On that note, among the signs of Qiyamat also are that a person will be very close to his friends, but he will be very distant from his own father. The person will be abrupt, he will be very harsh with his own father, and he will be very courteous cordial, be very obliging when it comes to his friends. He will be ready to do things and favors for his friends, but his parents, they will get the back seat as they say. So this too is among the signs of Qiyamat. And as mentioned previously, that these signs have not been mentioned for us as some kind of historical facts. But we are being warned to refrain from these things. Somebody or the other, they will become these signs. But we should be taking a lesson and we should be avoiding this at every cost by ensuring that we do not become disrespectful to our parents in any way. We do not cause them any kind of taklif. We don't give preference to our, to our friends and others over our parents. This is a very difficult thing for many young people, boys and girls, that how do they reconcile with what their parents want from them, what their parents instruct them to do, and what the pressures of friends are, how do they reconcile between these? What the friends want them to do seems very exciting. What the friends want them to join them in seems to be full of fun. What the parents want must be done seems to be very boring. Seems in a way that it's becoming an obstacle in the happiness, in the fun, in the excitement of the child. And at that age when a person is young, when the person seems to have all the kind of energy and vigor to do what they want, there is no responsibility in life that the person can see in front. Everything seems to be very free. And now the parents are so to say caging the person, tying down the person. So it seems like this is something which is a kind of zulm and actually some children sometimes even express it in those words 
But the thing is, that only when a person becomes a parent, then the person realizes many of these things. When the person has to start explaining to his or her own child, that don't do this because this will harm you, do this because this will benefit you, what we are being what you are being told to do might seem some extra effort, but this effort will pay back greatly. What seems like fun now is actually you playing with matches, you're playing with fire, you are going to get burnt badly. All that realization often only comes to many people when they themselves are parents and now they have to be advising their own children. But while they are in the shoes of children and they don't seem to have any responsibility for themselves, they are not tasked with any duties, then it seems like there is no need for them to worry about anything. But this is what Nabi Wasallam is warning us about, that don't become part of the signs of Qiyamah in the sense that a person disrespects their parents, gives preference to the friends over the parents, Otherwise, all these things will pay back one day. And Allah forbid, sometimes when the wrong deeds pay back, they pay back very severely. What should therefore be the case is, that we go out of our way to please our parents. We go out of our way to take the du'as of our parents. We make khidmat of them. And these things are often taken for granted. Well, khidmat of the parents, fine, we make khidmat. We do make khidmat, what's in there? <coughs> and what's this dua all the time? Dua, dua. We make dua, the parents will make dua too. What's the big deal about it? There's one incident coming to mind, which perhaps might be little off the topic for now, but this is something which nevertheless is the main topic and the bigger topic in all the topics is how we can get closer to Allah Ta'ala how we can fulfill our duties to Allah Ta'ala and to mankind. That is the bigger topic all the time, no matter what the topic is. So in any case, if we branch off somewhere, this is also still part of the bigger topic. One, we're talking about khidmat of parents and taking the du'as of parents. One incident which I've heard on many occasions from senior ulama, Hazrat Musa once asked Allah Ta'ala, that Ya Allah, Tell me who will be my companion in Jannat. Who will be my companion in Jannat. So Musa was Kalimullah. He used to converse directly with Allah wa Ta'ala. So he asked about this as well. So Allah Ta'ala informed him that your companion in Jannat is so and so person. Who is a butcher. This person is a butcher. Now, Musa salam was surprised and amazed that the Nabi of Allah Ta'ala, Musa salam, one of the great Ulul Azam and very great and high status Nabis, every Nabi has a very high status which the entire mankind put together can't reach the status of any Nabi. And then among them is this very selected group of Anbiya Ali salam who have a very superior rank. Among them is Musa wasalam, as well. And his companion in Jannah will be a butcher who is regarded as an ordinary person. 
nothing special about him. He would be a pious person. He would be somebody who has the fear of Allah Ta'ala and fulfilling his duties of deen. But nothing regarded as an special thing about him. So what is something so special about him that he has become the companion or be made the companion of Musa Islam in Jannah? So Musa Islam was curious to see what is the special thing about him. So one day he inquired and got to the place where this person works and he found him busy in his work, doing his work. He was a butcher, slaughter the animals, then sell off the meat. As it came to closing time, meaning the time of work being wrapped up and going home, this person chopped a piece of meat, a nice piece of meat and wrapped it and then he started leaving for home. Did whatever his work was and started leaving for home. So Musa approached him and said, look, can I come and join you, be a guest with you for tonight? So he said, by all means, in those days people didn't have all these takallufat and all these formalities. There was a lot of simplicity, a lot of informality. Doesn't, didn't have to be a person we knew very well before. There was honesty, there was trustworthiness, and there was this lack of formalities as well. So he said, very well, come along. So in any case, he took Musa along to his house. When they got there, Musa observed that first thing that this person did was, he took that piece of meat and then chopped it in small little pieces and then cooked it. He made some kind of soup with it. And then he came in the corner of the room. There was a very old and frail person lying down. He went and then started feeding this person, this old woman that was there. Very nicely, very gently, with a lot of affection and muhabbat, he fed her and then cleaned her and then put her to bed again. But as he completed all this, she said something. She said something which Musa Islam did not hear. Any case, this person did all this and then he came to attend to Musa Islam, who was his guest. So Musa Islam asked him that, who is this person and what were you all this? So he said, well, that is my mother. She's extremely old and frail. When I leave home, I attend to her, do everything for her, whatever is necessary, before I leave. And then when I come back from home, uh, from work, the first thing I do is I attend, I attend to her. And I see to her needs, I feed her myself, I cook her food myself, I don't take this work from anybody else. And I see to all her needs myself, and after I've made her comfortable... Then I attend to my family, my wife and children. So Musa Salam then asked him that as you completed whatever you were doing for her, she said something. What did she say? So this person replied and said that, well, she's an old woman. And people when they get old, they say things, they don't necessarily reflect on what they are saying. So every time she says something, nothing's to be mentioned about. He said, no, what did she say? Tell me. So Musa Salam uh, this person replied and said, every time that I complete the khidmat, she says, may Allah Ta'ala make you the companion of Musa, in, Musa Salam in Jannat, of Nabi Musa in Jannat. He says, where am I, an ordinary butcher, and where is Musa Salam, the Nabi of Allah Ta'ala, because this person didn't recognize who he's talking to, he didn't, had never met Musa Salam before. So, he's saying, where am I, and where is this great Nabi of Allah Ta'ala, and I'm going to become his companion in Jannat. But nevertheless, she's an old woman. She makes this dua and she just keeps giving me this dua every time. So I listen to it. So Musa then addressed this person and said to him, that let me give you the glad tidings. 
I'm Musa, the Nabi of Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala, and Allah Ta'ala has informed me that you will be my companion in Jannat. Now, this person was an ordinary person who had Iman in Allah Ta'ala, in the Nabi of the time. He was doing whatever his dini responsibilities were. But what was the special thing that gave him this rank? That was the dua of his mother. The dua of his mother and the dua of his mother that came from the depth of his heart as a result of the khidmat that he was making of his mother. This khidmat is something we take very lightly that this is well, fine, if I did something, some parents asked me to do something, then later, just now, and we don't give it much importance. And often we will try to duck out of it. And I'm addressing the students in particular that many a times we make madrasa work, school work, an excuse, especially those who have now grown older, we make this an excuse to stay out of doing any work at home, helping out in the chores, making khidmat of our parents, of others in our family, whereas that is our priority. Tomorrow we are going to have to look after our families. That is our priority. And there should be no excuse that we make up in fulfilling the khidmat of our parents and doing and helping out, doing work and helping out with things in the home. That is what we are supposed to be regarding as our priority and as our honor. But many times, even if there is nothing else, we will find some excuse not to do something. Whereas khidmat is a very big thing. Either because we just regard it as a burden, so we don't want to do it. Had we known the virtue of it, we would do it. That the khidmat of any person for that matter. Khidmat se khuda milta hai. This is a well-known statement. That with khidmat, the person gets the closeness of Allah Ta'ala. Gets the special mercies of Allah Ta'ala. With khidmat a person gets the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala. Khidmat se khuda milta hai. So khidmat is a very big thing. And if you look into the lives of the Ahlullah, every one of them, khidmat was a very outstanding feature of their lives. And this is khidmat of any person for that matter. What about khidmat of our immediate people? And then khidmat of the parents, subhanallah, we can never ever imagine. And Khidmat of the parents when it brings out the dua from the depth of their heart. That dua might not even sometimes come on the lips and on the tongue. But it's a dua that is extracted from the depth of the heart by means of khidmat. That dua is extremely effective. I just mentioned the incident of Musa wasalam, uh, about the butcher who will be his companion and this person receive this with the dua of his mother, this sometimes might seem a very far-fetched thing for us, that this is, well, Nabi of Allah Ta'ala gave him the glad tidings, but this happened, that zamana, coincidentally something else coming to mind now, which is very, very fresh in my mind, barely two weeks ago perhaps, I met one alim, and coincidentally met him yesterday again, so this is just something that was refreshed in my mind, this person hails from Madina Munawara, and two weeks ago I had met him for the first time. And in that short time that we sat together, he mentioned 
some things of his early life. And then as he was talking about things, some very ajeeb incident he mentioned, which is very pertinent and a very striking lesson for us. He mentioned, number one, that when he was a young boy, he was very much more interested in his schooling and so on. His mother every day used to prepare his lunch, as you may call it, lunch for him. She would wake up early in the morning to prepare the rotis, etc. and put the food in. So when she would hand this lunch over to him, and this again is a lesson for us, that how mothers, and what we talk about mothers in the times of the Sahaba and the Tabi'een, but even in this Zamana, those who had the right frame of mind, how they directed their children. Now he was very much interested in schooling and so on, so his mother, when she's handing over this lunch to him, he says every day she would tell him this, that better, you know, any mother who will do anything for her child, whatever khidmat she does of the child, she's going to get rewarded for it. So I too will get rewarded for all this. So that again is khidmat. Khidmat now the mother is making of the child, the mother is also getting rewarded. So she would tell him that I will also get sabab for this. Any mother makes khidmat of her children, she'll get sabab. But then she would say to him, that, but I would have really been earning a lot of sawab if I would have been making this khidmat because I am sending you off, I am giving you this lunch and I am waking up early to make these rotis and you have to leave now and go far away and then come back late in the evening and I am making all this khidmat because you are leaving to learn deen. Then I would have been really gaining a lot of sawab and reward because I am now making khidmat of some child who is going to learn deen. See, my mother would keep telling me this every time, every morning. And he says, eventually one day that struck me. And he says, now my whole attention then turned towards deen. And acquiring deen, learning deen. So that was the one very striking thing and one great lesson. That the mother was, in a very tactful way, turned the heart of the child from dunya towards deen. There is no harm in acquiring the skills of dunya within the limits of shariat. But they can be nothing compared to acquiring deen, the knowledge of deen. And those who are engaged in learning deen should never ever feel that they are inferior to anyone. This is a very serious uh, situation that a person, Allah Ta'ala has blessed with the opportunity of learning deen. And the person looks out and says, somebody is doing medicine. Oh, what a, that person has gone ahead. And somebody is doing engineering and somebody is doing some other thing and this thing and that thing. Subhanallah. Allah Ta'ala has blessed you to learn deen. There can be nothing, nothing and simply nothing that can come anywhere near to what you are doing. Whatever somebody else is doing within the limits of deen, fine, well, well and good. But what you are doing, every bit of this is rewarded, provided your intention is sincere. And this will bring the barakat of this world also. And it will bring the great status of the akhirat as well. It'll, if you acquire it with the sincere intention to please Allah Ta'ala alone, and having the azmat and the greatness of this ulum in your heart, then this will make this worldly life also a place of sukoon for you. The doors of barakat will open. Many places, what people are acquiring, it might open, might open also, not even necessarily, might open the doors of money. But whether it will open the doors of barakat is another issue. If they use that correctly, and if they use it to serve the deen of Allah Ta'ala, serve mankind, 
then inshallah it will open the doors of barakat as well. Otherwise, it will open the doors of money and misery. Which is very often the case. Many people come with their problems and then they say, I wish I didn't have all this. I wish I didn't have all this money. Because this money brought along misery. So if it comes without barakat, it will come with misery. And what you are acquiring, this is itself a means of barakat. All you need is the correct intention and the azmat of it. That what you are doing is the greatest thing. Don't ever look down upon it. And don't ever look at anybody else with envy who is doing something else. What you are doing is worthy of being envious of. The Quran, Nabi Islam has himself said it. La hasada illa fitnatain. There is no hasad and no envy that is permissible except in two things. Envy meaning to also desire what somebody else has in that context. And one of the two things is a person who has acquired the knowledge of deen and he is then disseminating and passing it on. That is worthy of being envious of. That Allah Ta'ala must grant me also that. And the other is Allah Ta'ala has given somebody halal wealth. That person is spending it in the path of Allah Ta'ala. In righteous causes. In righteous works. In things that will help people. Then that is also something worthy of envy. That Allah Ta'ala give me also the tawfiq of spending in the path of Allah Ta'ala. So what you are doing, that is the greatest thing. So in any case, again we branched off from the branch. As we mentioned earlier that the root topic is how to get closer to Allah Ta'ala and then from there branches upon branches keep coming out. Whatever Allah Ta'ala wills, Allah Ta'ala grant us the benefit of it. So in any case, we are talking about this alim from Medina Munawara that he was mentioning about his life and his mother used to every day tell him this. So Alhamdulillah, his heart then changed and turned towards deen. Then he mentions that he was still very young and his mother got very ill and she became bedridden and he says he remained in her khidmat and he was still a young boy and he says it was such a situation where even if she just needed to turn from one side to the other just to rest the body on one side because she's too long on the right for example now to turn to the left she needed to be helped to even turn and he used to be there forever being at her service and khidmat unfortunately and extremely tragic and how how painful it is how heartbreaking it is for a person who is a stranger to hear about it what those parents must be going through where many many old and aged parents who have children children who are wealthy children who are healthy and who have all the facilities but those children themselves go and pass them on into some old age home that we can't keep you unfortunately now, you are very old and sickly and coughing the whole day and you know my family is not ready to help with all this. So the very own children, that son, sometimes that daughter, they don't want to have anything to do with making the khidmat of that parent. Allah Ta'ala forgive us. Allah Ta'ala save us. What we are going to answer to how will we answer to Allah Ta'ala on the day of Qiyamah? And how will we be able to fend when the effects of that broken hearts will come upon us? That heart might not say anything. It might not give any bad du'as. But that heart breaks. 
and the effect of that broken heart will come. It will come in this world and it will come in the akhirat unless we make sincere tawbah and make amends. So how many there are, these heartbreaking stories come from time to time. And just merely hearing about it breaks one's heart, whereas we don't have any contact sometimes with that person, that person is talking over the phone, that child we don't know about. Just merely hearing about it breaks the heart. What must be going through the heart of that person himself or herself? What that parent must be experiencing? So, how tragic it is that people then go and pass on their parents to old age homes. You fend for yourself now. I'm sorry, I can do nothing for you. On Mother's Day, on Father's Day, they'll come and visit the parent. They'll bring one box of chocolate maybe, or some roses, and uh, they will probably send, come along with some card, and maybe on Eid Day, maybe, that too maybe, because that Eid now mustn't get spoilt with one old parent now in the way, and they want to go and visit here and there, now that old parent who's going to look after them, so maybe on Eid Day they'll go and just pay a visit, and say salam and take one gift along. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billahi al-aliyil azim. If this is not inviting the azab of Allah Ta'ala upon ourselves, then what else will? That we discard our parents in their old age, those very parents who did everything for us when we needed the help in every moment of our life. So in any case, this is something for us to reflect upon. And we should become very conscious about this, that we don't ever become those kind of children who abandon our parents in their old age, in the time of their need. Let us be at the forefront of their khidmat. Khidmat of even a kafir, khidmat of even a dog, brings great benefit and reward. We know about the incident about that woman of the Bani Israel, that she made khidmat of a dog, a thirsty dog. She pulled out... She was a very evil woman, an unchaste woman. And she pulled out the water from the well with her, after lowering her leather sock in it because the dog was trying to get to the water which was too deep. And he couldn't get to it. And she felt, felt pretty on this dog and she pulled out the water from the well and she gave this thirsty dog to drink. Allah Ta'ala forgave her on account of this and gave her the tawfiq of bringing her life in order. And as a result she got jannat. But the thing that was the trigger to it all and the catalyst was the khidmat of a dog. The khidmat of a dog brought this great good effect. That if this is the effect of khidmat of a dog, we call it najis. We call it a dirty animal. And making khidmat of this animal brings this reward, this effect then khidmat of a human being, what that will bring? And then khidmat of a human being who is a Muslim, what effects that will bring? And then khidmat of a human being who is a Muslim who is our parent. Subhanallah, we can never imagine this. But the barakat of that will come in this very world. In the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Islam says, إِنَّمَا تُرْحَمُونَ وَتُرْزَقُونَ بِدُعَفَائِكُمْ that rahmat, the mercy of Allah Ta'ala, and the rizq and the sustenance from Allah Ta'ala, that sustenance which is filled with barakah, which is filled with blessing, that comes as a result of the weak among you. Sometimes in the family there is this old parent, this old person seems to be, na'uzu billah, summa na'uzu billah, like a burden, 
seems to be like that to many people. That very parent, that very old person who can't now earn anything and seems to be now the means of all the expenses in the house, now this tablets and that medicine and that doctor and but that very parent is the mean, that old person, that weak person. That person, Nabi Islam is saying, is the means of rosy and rizq coming into this house. And the rahmat and the madad and the help of Allah Ta'ala coming into this home. Sometimes as a child, the child is not able to do anything for himself. The child is either uh, physically handicapped, mentally handicapped. In some way the child is handicapped. Now the child, sometimes parents unfortunately regard the child as a burden, Allah forbid. Generally this is not the case, parents have great love for their children no matter what the condition is. But once in a while even this kind of situation starts coming up. But Nabi Islam is saying, it is that very child that becomes the means of rizq coming into that home and the means of the rahmat and the mercy of Allah Ta'ala coming, and the means of the help of Allah Ta'ala coming, and everybody else in that household, all benefit from the unseen treasures of Allah Ta'ala, as a result of this handicapped child in that house, as a result of this old and weak person in that house, as a result of that person who can't seem to do anything, that is the person who is becoming the means of the rahmat of Allah Ta'ala descending. And, unfortunately, many children feel that this rahmat they must go and pass it on to somebody else. They don't want it. This risk, they don't want it. Go and give it to the old age home. Go and give it somewhere else. So when the rahmat is gone somewhere else, what will be left? There's no vacuum that stays. We send the rahmat away. We send the risk away. If there's no rahmat, then there'll be azab. But the azab doesn't come as they say, Allah Ta'ala doesn't come down with a stick to hit. It comes in various ways, unseen ways. We can't seem to make the link, but it comes. Allah Ta'ala save us. Again, we drifted from the incident we were talking about. That this Alim, who was giving me his life, about his life, and as I mentioned, I just met him again yesterday. He was returning to Madinah Munawara yesterday. He was here for a short visit in South Africa. Some friends had invited him. And he had... Uh, on the note that he had known Hazrat Ma'ayunusab Rahmatullah and in fact Hazrat had met him one day before he had left Madinah Munawwara in the last visit and this Alim had invited him home and he said Inshallah when I come back some other time I'm leaving for Makkah Mukarramah tomorrow and uh, I won't be able to make it this time and then he says I heard a few days later that Hazrat had already passed away but in any case what he was mentioning thereafter is that he says that my mother was extremely ill, she was bedridden and I would make her khidmat, and I would help her, and to the extent that even she needed to be turned from side to side, I would be there. And then he said, every time that I would do something for her, make a khidmat, help her, then she would keep saying one thing. And what she would say is, Allah Ta'ala tujko hajj karaye. Allah Ta'ala tujko hajj karaye. Now, we might not take this very, or appreciate this, that the dua she should keep giving him, Allah Ta'ala take you for hajj. Allah Ta'ala take you for hajj. Now at that time he was in his hometown, in a rural place in Pakistan, a poor family, and now he is already in his 70s. So at that time, very few people used to make it for hajj. It was not like nowadays, huge numbers people would go. Only the wealthy 
And that to the very wealthy would make it, though it was a very simple time, but most people were not in a position to afford to go for Hajj. And now especially somebody living in a poor family, that was like a dream, a faraway dream. You can only dream about it. And his mother used to keep giving him this dua, Allah Ta'ala take you for Hajj, Allah Ta'ala take you for Hajj. So obviously in that time when he was getting this dua, like that person who his mother was saying to him in the Bani Israel, that Allah Ta'ala make you the companion of Musa Salam, he took it like one old woman's just saying something. This person might have felt similarly. Any case he says eventually Allah Ta'ala took his mother away into his rahmat, she passed away. Then as time went on, shortly thereafter, some things worked out for him. And to cut the long story short, he ended up settling in Medina Munawwara. Allah Ta'ala made the intizam and he ended up settling in Medina Munawwara. That was 41 years ago. 41 years ago, he ended up settling in Medina Munawwara. And he says that 41 years ago, I settled in Medina Munawwara. Allah Ta'ala has made it such that this year, the last, the last Hajj, that was his 41st Hajj. Every year, Allah Ta'ala made it possible for him to perform Hajj. And he says, this is only the dua of my mother, that these 41 years, without a break in between, Allah Ta'ala made it possible every year to perform Hajj. He says on one occasion, some years back, he had gone to Pakistan to visit his family, etc. After Ramadan, and he had planned to come in time before Hajj, it happened that while in Pakistan, some mishap took place and his foot got burnt badly. And as a result, in treating it, going to the doctors, going to the Hakim, and it was quite severe, so it took a while and the time passed, he had to delay his return because he couldn't travel in that condition. Eventually, he returned to Medina Munawwara the day before Hajj. He landed from Pakistan directly in Medina Sharif. For example, he landed today, tonight, it was after Isha he landed, he said. And the next morning, tomorrow morning, would be the day that people are leaving for Mina. So Hajj, now people are leaving the next morning. And he only landed from, from Pakistan, like tonight, in Medina Munawwara after Isha. One of his daughters also lives in Medina Munawwara, so he went straight to her place, and uh, he just had settled down, perhaps performed his salah, had something to eat. So he had just returned from Pakistan. And he had no intention that now, and his foot was all bandaged up, he couldn't walk on that foot. So he was still in this condition. And he had no intention of going for Hajj. He says, as he just sat down to relax for a while, he just has come from back from a journey, and one of his students phoned. Uh, inquiring is he there they trying to look for him they didn't know where he was so his daughter had answered the phone so she said yes he's here he's just come back from Pakistan so she said can I speak to him so gave him the phone so uh, his student asked him that aren't you going for Hajj this year so he said well how can I make it I've just returned from Pakistan this is a condition of my foot I had this mishap there and I can't even walk on this foot and then apart from that I'm in this physical condition. Then the other thing is that in order to go for Hajj, there is some document that needs to be acquired, some permission that takes a couple of days or whatever. I haven't even got that because I only came back an hour ago, two hours ago. So this person replied and said 
that your permission document, I myself went and got it two weeks ago. I got that with me. Now all you do is you take your ihram and you come down because he was living in some building up some many floors up. All you do is you take your ihram and you come down. I am coming with my car. I've got a wheelchair. I'm going to take you for hajj and I will make you perform the hajj on the wheelchair. Everything I will do for you, you come down. I'm coming now to pick you up. And he says that when this person spoke in that manner, all he did was then he got his ihram ready, maybe whatever one, two things he needed. And he came down and short while later this person came with his car and picked him up and they left the same night for Makkah Mukarramah and the next morning they left for hajj and the entire hajj was performed in this way with this person doing everything for him. And he says, even on, the, in, on that year, despite my physical condition, and despite all the odds against me, that I just landed one night before, and I didn't even have my own permission taken beforehand, I thought it's not done. This person had done it on his own accord, and I thought I'm not, never going to be able to make it, but Allah Ta'ala made it possible even on that occasion. He says, it's only the dua of my mother. But that particular dua, that dua that emanated from the heart, from deep down of the heart, especially when that special khidmat was being made, when that person felt that I am in such a helpless situation, and this child is coming to do this for me, this child is sacrificing his free time, sacrificing his holiday, sacrificing other things, in order to make khidmat of me, and that dua now that will come out in that particular moment in time, from the depth of the heart, that dua. Now he says this, I, I think it, that I didn't count how many times my mother said, Allah Ta'ala take you for hajj, but it seems that as many times as she said it, I will end up performing hajj. Obviously there's no telling, Allah Ta'ala knows best. He just said it out of his, that it seems so, that as many times as my mother gave me that dua, as many times I will end up performing hajj. This is all her dua, he said. And this is a very fresh incident for me in the sense that, it was told to me just maybe two weeks ago and I happened to meet the person, the alim again yesterday and he was returning to Madinah Munawara. The lesson is that we started off far away from the signs of Qiyamah and the respect for parents and the khidmat of parents and honoring our parents, taking their du'as and especially those of us who are, who are learning deen. We should be setting the example for this. There are those who are in circular institutions. There are those who are all over the place. We cannot expect them to teach us this lesson. We have to be setting the example to teach it to the rest of the world. That what it means to serve one's parents. What it means to make khidmat. We should be the ones who are teaching everybody else practically. That what it means to make, to help out in the home. To be at the forefront of making khidmat, not waiting to be told to do something, but presenting ourselves, looking for the opportunity to do something. And in this way we will find, Allah Ta'ala will make this world a place of great happiness and joy for us. We will have great barakat and blessings. Sometimes externally challenges may come, that comes on anyone and everyone. But our hearts will be brimming with joy. And that is where the real happiness is. The real happiness is inside, not outside. Otherwise, outside, many people are living in the lap of luxury and they're contemplating Allah forbid, Allah forbid, they are contemplating suicide. They write up, they phone, they say that I want to take my life. And this too is a very tragic thing that small, small difficulties come and how often there's an email, there's some call that 
I want to, I, I think of suicide at these times. When this happens, I think of suicide. Our level of sabr has gone so low. The small little things, small little things. Somebody was expecting a proposal from somewhere. And suddenly they heard that person now got proposed elsewhere. Um, these are all real things. Not necessarily local. From far off, sometimes some emails come, overseas, etc., person was expecting to be receiving a proposal from somewhere and suddenly now they heard that person now got proposed elsewhere so now the person is contemplating suicide la hawla wa la quwwata illa billahi al-'ali al-'azim have we got has our faith in allah taala decreased so low so all this is because of the western influence that life life must be fun only what is life life must be lived to the full there's no such thing as khidmat and all these things. What's all these things? We must enjoy ourselves. We must have merry make. So now, we must be sitting on the BBM all the time, chatting away. We must be on Facebook and destroy ourselves in this way and think we are making life very pleasurable. But, it is a very sweet poison that we are taking. Sugar-coated poison. But he says, no, but because it's tasting nice on the first taste, whatever happens in the stomach and then the poison can get into the whole body and it can destroy me, that's later on, doesn't matter. Now it's tasting nice on the tongue. So it's sugar-coated, I must have the sugar. What's inside the sugar? It's all poison inside. I don't worry about that. That we'll worry about later. So now that sugar-coated poison we want to take. But that bitter medicine sometimes, the medicine sometimes is bitter, but many a bitter medicine is the best medicine. So that, don't give me anything bitter. This little khidmat, and do this, and do that, and don't go here, and don't do that. All this bitterness, please don't ask me to do that. I'm not ready for that. Doesn't matter, later on benefits, I don't want it. I'd rather have the harm later on. That is, we may not say it in those words, but our actions say that. And that is obviously total foolishness. That is total foolishness. Then when the difficulty comes, now the person says that I want to take my life, nausubillah, and all these kind of things. Let us take that little difficulty now, but we will see how it will open up doors for us. And how Allah Ta'ala will show us the benefits in this very dunya. What is in the akhirat is beyond imagination. So may Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala give us a tawfiq of practicing on whatever was discussed, of regarding khidmat as an honor, taking the benefit of khidmat, especially of our parents, of our family members, and wherever else we get the opportunity, may Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جز الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله ربنا غلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم واعفو وتكرم وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت الأعز الأكرم ربنا توفنا مسلمين وألحقنا بالشهداء والصالحين غير خزايا ولا نداما ولا مفتونين ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين واجعلنا للمتقين إماما ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار ربنا وآتنا ما وعدتنا على رسلك ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة إنك لا تخلف الميعاد اللهم ثبتنا على الإيمان وأمت الإيمان وحشرنا يوم القيامة مع الإيمان 
یا مقلب القلوب ثبت قلوبنا علی دینک یا مصرف القلوب صرف قلوبنا علی طاعتک اللہم حبب الین الایمان و زینہ فی قلوبنا و کرہ الین الكفر والفسوق والعسیان و جعلنا من الراشدین اللہم انہا نسألک من خیر ما سألک منہ نبیک و حبیبک سیدنا محمد صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم و نعوذ بک من شر مستعاذک منہ نبیک و حبیبک سیدنا محمد صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم انت المستعان و علیک البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة الا باللہ العلی العظیم و صلی اللہ تعالی علی خیر خلقه سیدنا محمد و آلہ و صحابت معین والحمد لله رب العالمين